It's a very, very special day. This is the 100th episode, and we've got a really, really special episode today planned for you. But uh, real quick, I just want to thank everybody who's been listening. There's a couple of you that have been listening since literally the first episode, and I really appreciate you. And I'm so grateful to everybody who's been just joining along. Uh, When I opened up for the Wallflowers, we got a big spike in listeners, and there's just been consistent growth. Um from episode one, which I started in my little my little room upstate New York, and then, you know, brought it to Nashville, Tennessee. Um, we made a stop along the way. I think we did an episode in uh, from Live in the Prairie in South Dakota. We did one in Montana. We've done, we've done them all over, um, but for the most part, it's, I've just been able to chronicle my journey here lately in Nashville, Tennessee, and finding my way through little coffee shops and bars and you know, running into all kinds of cool people and having fun adventures and hikes and writing songs, trying new songs out on the podcast and all that. So thank you so much, everybody who's been listening. Uh, I really appreciate you. And thank you so much if you've, you've just joined. Um, so I was thinking about the 100th episode. You know, I wanted to make it kind of cute and kind of special. And I was thinking about bands that have moved me, that have meant something to me. Um, and... Uh, I wanted I wanted to celebrate, uh, you know, in a, in a meaningful way, and I wanted to talk to someone who who has taught me, um, you know, purposeful on, on purpose or not. So I reached out to James Felice from the Felice Brothers, who is a musician I've admired for a long time, and uh, I might have run into him at a at a party here and there. I feel like I probably didn't talk to him because I was so nervous, you know, uh, and I didn't want to bother him and all that. But he's a proper sweetheart and a musician that I really really admire and. The Fleece Brothers music has meant so much to me as someone who's from upstate New York and writes the kind of songs I write. And really, I'm a little bit of a late bloomer to the to the Fleece Brothers. I've only come on board really with the, their last three records, starting with Life in the Dark, Undress, and then Dreams of Dust. Um, and they're all three just fantastic, fantastic records. I mean, I, that the title track of Undress, I think about that song all the time. Um, and the new record, I mean, just just from the starting out, Jazz on the Autobahn, um, Valium is just one of my favorite songs. And it's just, the, the music really just, it's as good as it gets. It's really as good as songwriting gets. And I'm grateful to have been introduced to their music. And it articulates where I come from. If, when, if, if anyone ever asked me, like, what does upstate New York feel like? I'm just like, listen to a Felice Brothers record. That's what it sounds like. They are the sound of upstate New York. Everyone where I come from looks up to them and appreciates them. And it's, you know, we're, we all feel very lucky that they're out there doing it. And we get to ex- listen to their records. It's really, really something, it's something crazy. Um, so without further ado, I'm just, I'm so pumped. 100th episode. I want to share this awesome conversation I had from the Felice Brothers, ladies and gentlemen, James Felice. <laughs> Uh, do you just get back from recording? What What have you been up to? Yeah, I was in Omaha, Nebraska, and I was making a record. Yeah, recording a solo uh, record there. Okay, I was actually going to ask you about solo stuff, because uh, do you have any solo records out? No, I don't have nothing okay. out right now. This is my first one ever. Wow, all right. Yeah. What, how'd, that, how'd that come about? That's so cool. It, you know, I, I, I really started seriously writing music like over the pandemic weirdly you know i've always been a songwriter here and there sure but um i you know my brother ian was always so much better than me i just figured what's the point you know um <laughs> but <laughs> when the pandemic started and i had literally nothing to do i just started writing and i started taking it really much more seriously than i ever had before and i wrote some i think pretty good songs uh over <laughs> a couple years there and I played some shows live. I opened for my girlfriend, my partner, Al, who you know. Love, love and, Al. 
And um, anyway, I played a show in Nash in Omaha with, and some of my friends from Omaha came to the show, and they liked the songs, and so they're like, "You should record it here." They have an amazing studio there, and they really hooked me up. They hooked your boy up, and otherwise I wouldn't have been able to do it. And I got to make a record in a real studio in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, that's sick! How many how many songs do you get down? I got we got eleven down, so I think it's going to okay. be like a ten or eleven song record. So short ish, but hopefully. Uh, Quality over quantity, you know. Yes. Uh, what did that look like when you started? Like you, you mentioned, like taking it more seriously. Like is just like inserting discipline into your writing. Like what? What did that look like? Exactly. I think for years I thought that songwriting was supposed to be easy. That, um, because I would every once in a while I would write a song. And it would be a pretty good yeah. song, and it would be easy. <laughs> it would take me, you know, a couple days of, like, I was chill about it. And I would, like, think about it and walk around a park and come up with, like, some fun ideas. And I would write a song. It would be great. It would be fine. Um, but Silverfish. <laughs> well, even Silverfish was more. That's newer. Be, that's newer. So that was when I was like, wait a second. This is hard. I would, you know, when I was writing songs throughout my life, I would always, I would come to a point where it got hard, and I didn't know what to do, and I felt overwhelmed, and I would just give up. And so, you know, hundreds and hundreds of half-formed, sad, uh, <laughs> natal songs discarded along the way, I finally, I think because of the pandemic, started to actually push through that barrier, that moment when this sucks, I don't want to do this anymore, and then you push through that for a few hours, and you get to something that's even better. And I realized I could do that. I didn't realize I had that gear almost, uh, but I do. And yeah, Silverfish is sort of the product of that ethic, I guess, of that newfound thing in my heart. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm so pumped to hear. Do you have a name for the record yet? Are you? I, no, I don't have a name. I don't, okay. I don't know. No, I'm, I got, the, I'm really bad at that shit, but that's okay. I'll figure it out. I'll just push through the part that sucks and I'll come up with a uh, hopefully okay name. I love I love this lesson you've learned of just pushing through the uh, the part that sucks. My, my my buddy here he refers to it as just the poop sandwich, and you got to eat it till it's delicious. A thousand percent. It's such a it's it's a it's a you know whatever. It's aphoristic. It's everybody knows that. Every artist, everybody that does anything worth doing knows that you have to push through that barrier. I just never really internalized it, and I never really did it, or at least I didn't do it often enough to develop a taste for the poop sandwich. Now I love it. I can't get enough of them. <laughs> so good. Well, it seems, I mean, my favorite, you know, some of my, the heroes, I'm sure we all like, Bob Dylan to me represents that sort of stream of consciousness, first thought, best thought. And then Leonard Cohen, who I always imagined like songwriting was the easiest thing for him. He would toil over songs for years. And right. I think very much represented that, that, that side of songwriting and, um, you know, there, there's no one like right or wrong way. It's just you find what what brings you the songs, I guess, or how, how you get to your favorite songs. Yeah, absolutely. And learning that about Leonard Cohen was really uh, inspiring and compelling. it's encouraging, right? It's really encouraging <laughs> knowing that he had his. I mean, I don't know how long I would have to spend to write a song like Suzanne. Probably like several human lifetimes. But the fact that it took him <laughs> a couple years uh, is really encouraging. It really makes you realize that. Yeah, I mean, I guess there are guys like Dylan who just sort of, but he's maybe one in a million. Out. Yeah, he could, he could yes. just, he could just, and I can't do that, but I can, I can sort of workhorse my way through it, maybe more of a Leonard Cohen style. Yeah, uh, real quick, just uh, in your song Silverfish, this guy mm -hmm. from Leeds sends my girlfriend <laughs> memes. As I, I love the the stream of like a sense of humor throughout the records. I I, I think I imagine if people. When they first uh, approach Felice Brothers music, uh, I imagine they they sort of see it as like a somewhat serious or um, uh, I don't know, you know, almost like yeah, there's a, a sense of, of misery and sadness throughout, but there's also it's like <laughs> some of the some of the silliest, most fun, funny songs. There's beautiful balance. Is that I don't know? Do do you feel that? Is that uh, yeah, absolutely. Humor is so important in our music, and I think in almost all like really good music. Um, I think, I think you know, I growing up listening to guys like John Prine, 
and Randy Newman, who I think are my two like favorite songwriters you know, yeah, throughout so. my life. Uh, th- they're hilarious. They also write some of the most heartbreaking songs you'll ever hear in your oh. entire life. But wrenching. I love get trying to <laughs> work something funny into a song, something unexpected, something that kind of makes you throws you off a little bit i i love that feeling when i hear it in a song and it works when they can strike that balance like a guy like prine did pretty often um and newman too uh yeah uh, yeah it's funny some some people i guess yeah they think of our band as being like morose serious <laughs> dust bully <laughs> yeah <laughs> like grapes of wrath degradation some people just see us as like a bar band you know right and dance along to a song like Whiskey My Whiskey or whatever, like dumb sort of country st- song stuff we we <laughs> did. Um, but hopefully, we, we, yeah, there's some, Ian's a really funny songwriter. He says he's not afraid to try to make you laugh. No, and I, again, like th- there is this image that it's, you know, through no fault of like anybody, but I, I do wonder how many people are almost surprised to just find these jokes inside of these songs. And uh, I don't know. Um, by the way, Suzanne, there's this great moment in a the, there's this new Leonard Cohen documentary I love, mm. and uh, Judy Collins, they're interviewing Judy, Judy Collins about that song, and then they're cutting back to Leonard, and he's talking about how he's like, yeah, it was great when Judy Collins told me it was a good song because I I played it for a friend in in Canada, and my friend said, no, there's many songs like that one. <laughs> Um, and I just, I love, I love just some dude like Leonard's friend being like, no, that song's not special. And then, you know, it's Suzanne. (laughs) So great. Oh my God. What a heart. I wonder what, (laughs) but you know, to, to someone who's half listening, that song does sound like a million other songs. No. Yeah. Well said. It really does. It's only reveals itself to be this absolute magnificent piece of art if you are actually paying attention to it and right and that's i think true for just a lot of beautiful and wonderful things that we create in this world that it, you know it, it it's a simple thing but it requires your attention in order to actually appreciate it yeah yeah i mean yeah and we're you know we're lucky to get it uh when, whenever we do i guess yeah um I want to talk. So, if you'll indulge me, my my exposure to your music to the Felice Brothers, I was sort of like a I don't know, like a Frankie's Gun fan for a while. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I was aware of you guys, but not at all like just very very un- mostly unaware. But mm-hmm. I knew you guys existed. And then I was touring with a friend, and he was like one of just a crazy Felice Brothers fan. <laughs> I'm sure you met those. I'm sure you've met those guys and gals. Yeah. I mean, you know, just hardcore. And uh, but in a beautiful way, like it inspired him to start writing yeah. songs. He was a great. He's a great songwriter. Um, and it was just, and he was sort of hammering me away about about you guys. And then uh, that was right when Life in the Dark uh, came out. Mm. And I I dug into that record, and you know I heard the right song at the right time, kind of thing. Where that record it just like took me over. And then I saw you guys live at Bowery Ballroom, and I went with this friend. And I don't know how often you guys did this, but it just so happened. And again, I'm I'm a weird fan in the in this context, right? I'm amongst right. Police Brothers fans. Everyone knows like Dallas, Love Me Tender, Wonderful, all those whiskey. Right. I didn't even know whiskey, my whiskey. Like, I'm I'm a different kind of fan. I'm like a new <laughs> album fan, you know, sure. which is um I don't know what this other shit is, but I like the new record. You guys played the entire record from 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 beginning to end. Oh, we did. You played the whole record, and it was the greatest. It was wild, um, and I walked away really, really, really satisfied. Cause I'm like, I knew all the songs, and then you, cl- you know, you played uh, um, closed with, um, you know, probably like whiskey and Frankie's Gun. It was like one of those shows. Um, sure. But yeah, it was a full Life in the Dark record, and um, and then and and then that's sort of where I start. I began, and then a couple years later, you guys do Undress, and then. Right. Uh, Dreams to Dust recently this year, year ago probably probably feels longer for you. Yeah, it feels. It? I think it was twenty twenty one. It came out. I think. Yeah, sure. so like two years ago, year and a half. Cool, great, brand new record. Brand. Um, new. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in and in my mind, like you guys are on this high, like on this creative thing. The last three records are perfect records, and they feel like just one after another. These complete. Very, very like 
um, complete pieces of work that build a story and a scene and a, like like a movie that have this feeling. And one after another, they're super different from each other. Mm. They all have like that element of like s- slow kind of stories about you know normal people, and then these hilarious sort of t- uh, tongue twisters. And the last three Fleece Brothers records feel. Like perfect records, they feel like a band that has sort of almost ironically hit their stride. I might be wrong in that distinction. Do you see the last three as any different, or is it just me? Um, is there, yeah, is there a difference there? Uh, yeah. That, uh, that's a good question. Because um, what is favorite? Where's favorite? La- what's before um, uh, Life in the Dark? Before Life in Dark Waitress? Was favorite Waitress. Yeah. yeah. Before that was uh, Celebration Florida, very mm-hmm. controversial, and then Great the other ones. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I would agree with you. <laughs> very controversial. I would agree with you that the last three of our records are the best ones. And I think there's a lot of, you know, we've had like lineup changes and different, mm-hmm. you know, we've been a band for a really long time. So we, we've gone through a lot of stuff. Um but I think starting with Life in the Dark, we actually became a band in a real sense of the word. We became competent musicians and songwriters. Uh, finally. <laughs> I, I know, finally, after <laughs> 10 years. Uh, you know, we made Life in the Dark in a garage. Mm-hmm. I, I recorded it. I had no idea what I was doing. I had an inbox and like just a bunch of crappy mics. I think actually this was one of our mics. I think this is the best mic we had at the time. SM7B. Um, yeah, the SM7B. Exactly right. We recorded that in a garage, in a, like a literal garage, like with tools everywhere and oil stand on the floor on a farm. We had full control over it. And I think that was the first time we really just got to dig in as a band and do whatever the hell we wanted and fully dive into something, connect to something different than we had been connecting before. I think the earlier records, we were floating around trying to figure out what we were doing, trying different things out, working with different people uh, to various degrees of success. But yeah, that one was the first one. Then Undress, we recorded that in an actual studio with our boy Searcher, who recorded the first few records. But we were even a different band at that point. And Mm. then this last record was over the pandemic and that was another thing where we were sort of cloistered together in an old church. Um, yeah, man, some of it's the band, a lot of it's just how good of a songwriter Ian is, which sort of makes everybody's job really easy. <laughs> um, and he just keeps writing these incredible pieces, these incredible songs, and it, it, you, just, you just play music on them and they're awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> can I, the job is easy and it, yeah. Can, can I just say, you know, there's, there's a few brothers bands out there, and they all seem to hate each other. And the the way you talk about your brothers, really <laughs> adorable. It's very refreshing. I mean, you know the Gallagher's, those I, guys. <laughs> the Gallagher's, yeah, they can't stand each other. Right, exactly. Uh, no, I I love. I have so much respect for Ian as an artist. I always have. Even when I was a kid, he would you know write songs as a kid, like a teenager that I thought were so good. And the reason why I wanted to be in a band with him in the first place was because I thought his songs were awesome, really. And, and they're still amazing. And he, I don't know how the hell he does it. I know he works really hard on it. He, you know, he, he was the guy that, that before, any, before I could, it was eating those shit sandwiches every day <laughs> and writing these incredible pieces of music. It's weird. His music, his songs connect with me. If I wasn't related to him, <laughs> I didn't know him, I'd still want to hear him write. Yeah. I really would. Yeah. Um and that's just great. Like they're almost all great songs that he writes. Even the ones we don't use, which is half of them. They're all <laughs> really they're all so good. Wow. Man. Yeah, no, he's a he's he's a beautiful poet and uh very inspiring songwriter. And again, like uh just these gut wrenching songs. I remember the first time I heard Sell the House, that song mm. is just just a weird gut-wrenching picture of just everyone in America. Like almost everyone in America is like that's the song. Um but you know, I right. n- never you never really hear a song like that. Um it's rare and uh but then yeah, like kind of s- some like aerosol ball that it almost feel like playful and and you know, yeah. extremely playful and and just just as interesting poetry too. It's so much fun. Right. 
Um, it's interesting. You guys, the Felice Brothers. You guys. First of all, how how long how long has it been a band? How long has have you? We made our f- we made our first record in two thousand six. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, you're. I mean, you're a young. Long time. You're a young dude, but you you're. It's like <laughs> there's this element of you guys have that classic status. You've been a band for a long time, but you probably still feel like a young band at the same time. Like, what does that what does that balance look like? Oh yeah, you, you know, we're still waiting for a big break. <laughs> <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're still finding ourselves. <laughs> we, I, you know, in a way, like not having that much success. <laughs> is good for us because we have nothing to sort of rest our laurels on maybe and we just keep trying to make something better like to i mean we're not trying to like break through we're not trying to be in like in the vmas or something but we're we are trying to like get this music out to people and we still have no idea how to do that is so i think we're still experimenting so yeah in a way we do feel like a young band and the changes of the lineup that have gone on through the years and just the way that we've developed as people, as human beings. I mean, Ian's a father now, and I'm, I'm basically the same guy I always was, but <laughs> he's changing. And, and um, yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I don't feel tired of it. I don't feel like we really are boring ourselves. And I think if we were, we would immediately stop. So that's kind of a, yeah, we, we still got something left in the tank for sure. That's wild. Sometimes I feel like we haven't even gotten started yet. Like we still haven't made our the the, the record. You know, we still haven't made that record yet. Good. Well, yeah, sure. Keep keep, keep believing that. Um, <laughs> no, it's a healthy thing. That is funny. You know, I was going to ask you if you see your. Uh, it's a, the way you talk about success. You know, because from where I come from, Felice Brothers are this amazing band, and you guys do have this amazing fan base, um, an audience that appreciates your work from record to record. Um, but I'm sure, yeah, there's this element where you're like, well, still only, you know, these many people know about us and like, we're still kind of trying to like prove ourselves and, and, uh, you know, it, it's not like I know how to do that, but what does that look like? I mean, you just keep touring like crazy, keep making great records. To me, that's like a sure win. Like the fact that you guys have been making one record after another, that are, that's amazing. Right. Like, I don't know. What, what does that look like even? I'm sure that's not like a conversation. Like, hmm, should we get on TikTok? Like, <laughs> that's been yeah. We've been really debating the TikTok question for months now. Uh, sure. We, yeah. Well, well, I know. Yeah. In one way, we are extraordinarily successful in that, for the most part, we play music for our living, you know, and have been doing that for the last fifteen or so years. Um, but it's like a, it's it's not like great money, you know. It's not like a, I guess. There's the fine. It really is, and this is a lame thing to talk about. But there's like that financial side. You sure. Know, we grew up. I grew up pretty poor, and like there's no. I don't know. Success to me would be like being able to buy a house, mm-hmm. you know, and to to have a start a family and stuff like that, which is not really in the cards at the moment for the level of success we have, at least for me. Mm-hmm. But Ian's managed to do that. Mm-hmm. But he's also a great painter. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's funny. It, it's nothing I would ever complain about. No. I, yeah. But I, I, you know what I think it is? I just feel like we haven't hit our ceiling in a weird way. I know. Oh, for sure thing. not. I know how good these songs are. And I know how people react to them. Like, and I know like our the people that come to our shows, our fans are are amazing people. And I know there's like way more people out there that could connect to this music. I just know it. Oh, for and sure. And I don't know if it's you know there's there's definitely things about the band that aren't like geared toward appealing to you know sixteen year old girls or whoever's like sort of driving the artistic culture at the moment. Um, that's fine, but we so we're doing our thing. We're trying to get the music out there to people, and I know that there's like tens of thousands <laughs> of people in the world that if they would listen to the music, if they would open their ears, they would hear something really beautiful and special. And the shows are good, so I guess that's the thing. What I mean, like I just know that there's more to this than what we have now. But if this is it, then that's fine too. I'm 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 a very lucky and happy person. Sure, no, you said that beautifully, and there for sure is. There's something exciting about sharing Fleece Brothers music, like. Uh, my buddy texted me as soon as uh, D- 
Dreams to Dust or Dust Dreams, whatever it's called, came out. He sent me Silverfish actually, actually, because he's into like insects and stuff, like you are. Hmm. Um, what a weird thing. And uh, there, <laughs> th- there is that feeling of like you're passing around a secret. You know, you're sharing this amazing secret that's that's just in the wide open. This this like yeah. hidden gem kind of thing. There's something fun about that, and but I can't wait. Uh, I agree, just from like my little perspective. I mean, you guys are just going to grow by each year, and then one day you turn around and you're like, "Oh my god!" You know, you guys will be an overnight success. You know, in three years, like it's, uh, I don't know. It's it's so it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful the amount of success you guys have had, and the amount of you know just incredible records you've gotten to make, and uh, the kind of respect you guys um, already get. But yeah, it's like as a, as a, as an audience member and a listener, like I, I can't wait for that to increase, you know, and, and, um, that's just encouraging to me on many levels that that will happen. If that makes sense. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I agree. I agree. I, I feel nothing but like hope and anticipation for what the, the world holds for us as like a band. And, and that's a really cool feeling. I haven't always felt that way at sure. all, but these days I really do. I feel like there's nothing we can't do. And I feel like there's no, we, we, we'll, 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 we'll figure it out and then we'll be able to, you know, live lives of just being musicians till we die, <laughs> which is the goal. <laughs> Man, I can't wait for that. Like 50th record. That's going to be a good one. Why not? You know, fuck it. Let's go. 50 records. That's like, that's a good goal. I wonder if we could, could make 50 records oh, before I, we croak. Probably not. I think so. That's like, I don't know, man. I'm He's doing like the math. One and a half a year. <laughs> don't overthink Two it. Year. Th- they'll be, yeah, you'll be good. <laughs> um, t- talk to me about your love of insects. This is one of my favorite. You you might be the only reason why I still have Facebook. Um, <laughs> just a dreadful, you know, it's mostly like uh, older friends of mine arguing about politics and stuff. But then your Oof. stuff will show up and um, you have these macro, uh, you know, zoomed in. Uh, videos of insects going about their wonderful lives. Uh, was this like a lifelong thing for you? And uh, t- talk to me about your your love of of all things insects. <laughs> it, no, it wasn't a lifelong thing at all. I actually always kind of hated insects and was freaked out by them. I remember when I was four or five, my dad was a wonderful person, but he really blew it. He brought the fly home, like the the Cronenberg fly, huh. Jeff Goldblum one. I don't know about that. And one. I remember, oh, it's just such a it's a horror movie. It's just like about a man who like turns into a fly, and it's so gross and it freaked me out so bad. I think I was five or six. Like I couldn't be around a fly. Like like for you know years, I was I had like this horrible phobia of of insects and crawling things. I think it was that movie. I'm blaming him for that. Anyway, years and years of just like avoiding (laughs) and not being stoked about them and living in the woods and always being around them and just having infestations of beetles in your house and cockroaches and mosquitoes every year, ticks. Anyway, finally one day I was I was bitching and moaning about bugs on like a beautiful spring day and my ex-girlfriend at the time was like you got to stop because these are these insects are going to be around forever and you're <laughs> you, you're just annoying. <laughs> I was like all right. <laughs> I finally I turned my attention to them. A friend of mine had a telescope or a microscope uh-huh. in his house and for some reason he had like a dead I think it was a I can't remember what kind of beetle it was, but it was like on the slide, you know, and you could like mm-hmm. look at the beetle through the micros- microscope and you see the detail of the shell, like the little mm-hmm. of the, the carapace thing. Uh, and I never like looked at something like that before. And I was like, that's so beautiful. I want to see more of that. So I fig- I got the lens for my phone and I just started, yeah, looking for them and photographing them and taking videos. And it's really, it really kind of changed my life in a weird way. And I just, it helped me look at things. It really helped me observe the world that I live in, and gave me much more appreciation for the for for this for the natural world, for all the little creatures out there. And yeah, I still I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting with bated breath for for them to come back in a month or two. <laughs> You're the winter's dark for you because there's no insects. <laughs> Honestly, yes. It kind of bums me out, and it's dark because you know I. I I, use, I post on on Instagram, 
And I'm like, oh, I can use, I'm posting bugs on Instagram. That's a good thing. But of course, there's no bugs to post on Instagram. So I'm just like scrolling on the gram and like not <laughs> contributing anything and just being like an absolute. So I deleted Instagram from my phone a little while ago. I'm trying to stay <laughs> off it. Good for you. Until the bugs come back. And then I'm, I'm going to be back on, baby. The bugless Promoting algorithm. Record and, yeah. <laughs> it's awful. But yeah. <laughs> I would love it if there was a different place to put them that wasn't on like Instagram or Facebook. Right. Like then, your like, own. I don't know. No one would see it, which is fine too. But I feel like I am sort of getting like caught up in the, in that Instagram cycle. You know, they get you no matter what you do. They get you. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, for better or worse. That's really, really beautiful. I mean, do do you when you're like hiking and stuff? Do you sort of like just look at the ground and the trees, looking for the stuff? Like, yeah, I and I. It's pretty cool. I developed a pretty good eye. Like, I, bet. I can like. I haven't, you know, it's been months since I've really done it. And I kind of fell off at the end of summer because I was so busy. So I wasn't really photographing. But when I was like on my game, I could look across like a, like a patch of forest at a tree, like tw- 10 trees down. I could see a movement. I'd be like, oh my God, that's a, a spider. And I'd go over there and it would be a spider. And I just had this incredible eye. I could find them and see them. Um, and I was getting pretty good at photographing them too, which is not an easy thing to do with yeah. a macro lens. Cause what do you use? How do you? I have a macro lens that I, I screw to my phone. That's sick. Yeah. Um, it's it's fun to try to use it. You know, the depth of field of these things is, like, so narrow. Like, yeah. it's way less than the depth of an insect. So you can only actually focus on, like, one part of the creature at a time. And I, Someday I want to get, like, an actual camera and, like, really take some, some badass photos. But <laughs> right now the phone's fine. That's incredible. I, like... Um... I'm not nearly as uh, as you are into insects. I'm trying to get into fossils and stuff. Uh, mm. Here in Tennessee, there's there's quite it was a shallow sea like I don't know 400 million years ago. So um, so there's quite a bit of fossils. And when I start finding any, like I can't, I could be in front of the most gorgeous like waterfall or view, but all I, I'm just looking at the ground. Like yeah. I don't even see anything else. And there's <laughs> something so beautiful and. It's so strange, but it's also sometimes torturous. I'm like, well, I want to look at the waterfall, but I I can't because there's weird rocks. There's nothing about the waterfall that's better than what's in a fossil on the ground (laughs) or a beetle on a leaf. These are all incredibly beautiful things. The waterfall is louder and more grandiose and easier to see, but you could spend your entire life staring at a, you know, four foot patch of grass or a fossil, and it wouldn't be a waste of time at all. There's no better or worse thing to turn your attention to. Yeah, amen. That's beautiful. Uh, do you how how much into the science now are you into of, of insects and stuff? Because there's so many insects, right? Like in one little uh-huh. cubicle of ground, isn't there like an endless? I read that in Hudson, in the Hudson Valley, or I think it was a Hudson Valley fact, although maybe mm-hmm. it was just like a generic fact but like an acre of land around here has about a quarter billion insects in it oh my gosh it's their world i think i think i think that's a number i think that's the number it is thoroughly their world um for sure although there i guess there's less now than there used to be and there is like some weird mysterious and potentially troubling signs of there's insect populations are declining around oh, the world. God, I don't, I don't know much about it, and it's hard to even read about it because I find it very depressing. But yes, still, I still, there's still plenty of them out there, <laughs> and it is their world. And the world of the tiny is the world, you know, the world of insects and plants and bacteria and you know mycelium and the root networks under the ground. All these things. That's the world, and we sort of are here too <laughs> we're like hob- hobbling above in their sky almost like yeah we're pr- like clouds like yeah. destructive clouds that rain down terror every once in a while but probably to them we have no you know no s- d- d- completely different situation and we, they have we have little effect on their day-to-day goings-on they don't think about us that's for sure uh <laughs> The science of it, though, no, I mean, I'm, I'm a complete hack. I'm an amateur. I can no, identify no. a few of them. And, every, you know, people send me stuff on Instagram. Or, like, I bet. Text I bet me. they do. Text me, like, what, what is this? And I'm like, 
I Google it, you know. <laughs> I type in like the <laughs> spotty black <laughs> fly with this, and I'll be like, oh, it's this type of insect, and I'll pretend that like I know. But most of the time, I have no idea. That's beautiful. Uh, no, just your celebration of them, I think, and your your uh, yeah, your infatuation and, and borderline obsession is really, really, <laughs> really fun. It's really fun. Um, uh, so you got this solo record going on. What else? What do you got? What's next for you? What's what's next for you, James Felice? <laughs> for me, my big plans. Well, the solo record is all. I know. I, I get. I get infatuated. I get. Uh, monomaniacal about things so all i can think about is the solo record at the moment beautiful um i don't even and when that's over hopefully when i'm released from that grip uh i think <laughs> felice brothers are going to make another record this spring hopefully Great. is our plan and that i don't have too many other things you know we're not gonna do too much touring this year a couple mm-hmm. shows here and there al is going out a lot my girlfriend Great. Al, al al olander so great, hopefully great songwriter great musician Great songwriter, great musician. She's on tour right now, and uh, she's driving to Boise today, I think, from Colorado, which is an eight-hour drive. I've done that many times. Uh, <laughs> I'll hopefully go out with her for some shows. And, yeah, see what's up. See what's up with this record that I'm making and the Fleece Brothers record, and, you know, try to, you know, become super successful. Amen. Popular. Amen. You know? <laughs> Amen. Uh, upstate New York, you guys, to me, are like the, the, the greatest upstate New York band uh, ever, and again, I and, and on a very like deep level, I think represent a lot of upstate New York. Um, I don't know what's your relationship like to the region. Uh, I know you grew up. Where did you grow up? Outside of Kingston or Poughkeepsie or? I grew up outside of New Paltz. Oh, uh, basically, mm-hmm. the southern tip of Ulster County in the Shawangunk Mountains, sort of near the Minnewaska State Park. If anybody knows where that is, most most um, beautiful place in the world. Most yeah, up it's definitely up there, and uh, that's where I grew up. And I, my folks still live in the house I grew up in, mm-hmm. and I have never lived anywhere but here in my entire life. Wow. Um, I, maybe I spent like a month once in New York City, and I've been on tour a bunch, but I've never lived anywhere but Ulster County in my entire life. So my relationship is total <laughs> and all-consuming with this place. Deeply committed. Deeply committed. I, 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 I expect if everything goes to plan, I will die here eventually. You know, I, I want to stay here. It's the most beautiful place in the world. A lot of other people are finding that out too, which is troubling. <laughs> but I think there's plenty of room for all of us. That was, that was my next question. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, I mean, it's changed a lot over the years. And I, I grew up on the other side of the Catskills in a town called Bethel. And where right. I'm where I'm from, it's like, uh, there's no commerce, and it's very hard for anyone to make money. So you hope that there's tourists and hipsters right. come, you know, from the city. You hope that they come and bring, you know, money. Uh, but it's a complicated relationship. Um, yeah, you know, it's 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 strange. a uh, it's a delicate balance, right? Yeah, you need the hipsters, you need the investors, you need the the people that know how to make coffee. I guess those are hipsters. Um, <laughs> you need. <laughs> You want that. You want the artists. You and the, the Hudson Valley has always been that sort of haven for like New York City artists. Like you know, Bob Dylan comes up here in the band, all these people, and that's awesome. Uh, there's a tipping point, of course, that happens to beautiful and cool places where all the just regular, boring rich people come up <laughs> and they buy everything and they trans, they transform the town or the neighborhood into their own image, which is. Has good coffee and great antique shops, <laughs> but is not like a hospitable environment for local people for creativity at all. Uh, and you can see that those, these sort of like cultural dead zones in places like New York City and 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 other spots where it's just been like sort of it's like a it's an environmental disaster in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like CBGB is now like a John Vervados or whatever. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> from a certain perspective, that's like an environmental disaster of, of creativity and affordability. That's like great. Something is wrong in the ecosystem. There. That's a great way of putting uh, it. And that's happening here, in especially in Kingston, but all over the Hudson Valley. I don't know if it's like a, a full-blown emergency, but it is, I mean, it is an emergency in some ways, housing and stuff for a lot of folks. Yep. is just out of reach. I mean, it's almost getting to that point even with me. 
which I find extremely annoying because I, you know, I've been here my whole life. But yep. whatever. Um, something has to give. Something has to change. And we'll see what that is. Mm-hmm. But it's not getting any less beautiful around here. I'll tell you that. No, it's they're not. not. They're not really cutting down any of the trees. They're not bulldozing too much. So that's good. They're. It's this is this this place will be special forever. When I when I first moved to Nashville, um, that was the hardest thing. Like not having the Catskill Mountains or even like yeah. uh, Harriman State Park towards the city. Just all the little state parks and the Schwangunks and the Adirondacks. Like I really, it was rough, man. Like I really missed it yeah. so much and uh, found other things I absolutely love here and found a couple of little state parks that are really beautiful. But um, there's, yeah, I still miss it. Uh, <laughs> I try uh-huh. to just, whenever I visit, it's just like I'm hiking all the time. Yeah, gotta get out there, man. Oh, it's so, yeah, around here, like I, I'm still discovering state parks and like little parks like that I've never heard of that are five minutes away, and it's it's such a wealth of beautiful beauty out here. But I mean, there's some nice stuff around Nashville, right? There's some places to go swimming and. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's there's no mountains and you know, there's no natural lakes. Um, there's no natural lakes, right? The rivers are full of mud and clay. But yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's <laughs> No, it, it generally is, is a wonderful place. And there's this little mountain right in the middle of town that's just full of fossils. So I go there and I'm like literally looking oh. at like downtown Nashville and a fossil and it's kind of like no, meta. Oh shit. It's a beautiful place. What kind of what kind of fossils do you pull out of there? Uh little like um like this guy here is a little crinoid, which is like a relative of the star modern modern day starfish. Um, oh, shit. So little stuff like that. Uh, I try not to take too much, but you know this one I did. Um, this one I actually have a found a yeah. Uh, but I have a buddy in Virginia that um no in Georgia that I I send her pictures of every fossil and she tells me what they are. She's like my bug guy. <laughs> <laughs> She's like you. That's amazing. So they're all like um like crustaceans like from hundreds of millions of years ago. Yeah, exactly. Like, whatever sea this was. Exactly. It was a shallow sea like 500 million years ago, and it's just full of fossils that you know a lot of shells and different stuff like that. And you know I'm sure people like out west are finding finding all kinds of crazier stuff but it's so it's so exciting um, have you found any like recent artifacts like arrowheads or anything like that i'm not Civil war sh- shit no i did find a fossil in abe lincoln's brook which i thought was very cool i'm like i wonder if abe lincoln little abe ever picked that one up you know no kidding uh but That's no so awesome never um no people are good at finding those arrowheads and stuff um no, that, that stuff so is... This, this is your specific interest, is these particular types of creatures that you're No, finding, like it's, just, it's just what's here, and it, it does right. infatuate me, and, you know, I'd love to learn more about them one day, but I'm, like, hopelessly ignorant. I just get excited, so I'm I'm okay with that feeling, and, you know, uh, my, with 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 uh, some curiosity, but th- that's that's where it ends right now. But we'll see. It's funny when you when you really get into something like that, insects, fossils, anything that has to do with like the natural sciences, it's such an exhilarating feeling. But then you get to a point where you're like where you start to try to learn about it and there's this other feeling of yeah, hopelessness and overwhelming. Like I can never know even one percent of this and I'll never be able to like converse with an expert or ex- experience what they're experiencing when they look at a fossil or an insect. But Gotta get over that part because the, the the wonder of of observing these things is is its own reward, right? Yeah, and in a way, that's almost just as much of a spiritual experience too, of like how little we know. And then someone who knows a ton, like they're thrilled to talk to anyone who's half curious. Yeah. So that's fun too. That's true. I don't that mind. True. I, I like being the idiot in the room. It's like it's okay. Oh yeah, being the dumbest person in the room is one of my favorite things. <laughs> Such a good feeling. Uh, real quick, upstate New York music scene uh, means something different to everybody. Um, what does it mean to you? Where, where, where is it at? How's it doing? Is it okay? Send it my love. All that. <laughs> it's okay. You know, we lost BSP, hmm. which was, I thought, like a really important. Uh, BSP was a Kingston for Kingston uh, a music venue, and they had they got like national acts there, like really great. You know, I saw like. Uh, Big Thief play there like five or six years ago in front of like 30 people. Like stuff like that. They would get like these young bands coming through. Anyway, it was awesome and and people came out for these shows for the most part. That was gone. That was taken cruelly from us by 
some terrible landlord dude, um, real estate developer. And since we lost that, we've lost that anchor. Now I'm just speaking of Kingston as like a as a place to play sure. music. Sure. Um, there's still great venues like it, Levon Helms and Woodstock and the Colony at Woodstock, awesome. And Bearsville's around, and there's still places to play. The local music scene though around here, I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm. I just went to go see my friend Jules Olsen play. You know Jules? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She just played at Darlings, which is... Were you here when they opened? I don't think so. I've... What is... No, I don't think so. That's an awesome restaurant. Our friend Maddie and Luke opened it. Anyway, it's in Rosendale. Uh, I just saw her play there yesterday. She's amazing. So there's so much... T- there's so much talent around here. Mm-hmm. And, like, like, you know, from local musicians, young people, to, like, actually, like, like well-known very popular badasses too everywhere um but i feel like there hasn't been a place where we can all get together and 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 hang and like there's not like a a gathering place for music a central gathering place for music yet but people are working on that okay yeah i feel like uh the the community that that drew is very big uh you know is a part of and levon helm and and arrowwood farms i feel like there's a bit of that going on there is Absolutely, yeah, and that's all awesome. And Drew does a, a lot of really great work. And he, him, and Al do, do this thing RSVP, mm-hmm. um, which there was like a sort of a, a mobile show of like four or five artists, or three, or, two or three artists really, in like a different spot at once a month. And they were doing that for a while, and that's that was awesome actually. People came out for that. Um, I guess they're on hiatus at the moment. So yeah, they're put, Drew is actually putting a lot of effort into that the local music scene, which is really great. important. But we we need a spot. We still need a, a place. There's not that. There's not a place yet. Okay. Uh, well, I, I I hope there is one, and because it's uh I'm not there, but it's always home, and I'm super passionate about it. When I left, I felt like I was almost you know I don't know. Uh, I mean no no one like wept, but you know I felt like I was abandoning you know brothers and sisters, mm. brothers and sisters that were in you know uh, on the battlefield a little bit. Um, <laughs> But I, I left because I started seeing friends of mine that weren't the least talented start to give up and not right. feel like they had a path. And I was like, all right, where in the world is there a, somewhat of a path to music? And Nashville kept coming up. And I moved here, and I'm super, sure. super grateful. And just the community here is amazing. Um, but, yeah, when I started seeing some friends give up, I was like, this is not good. It's not the friend who, you know, everyone's like, all right, you know, you, you'll be just as right. good of a social worker as your shitty songs. You know what I mean? <laughs> of course. Oh yeah. It was like yeah, fri- yeah. friends that were amazing, and you're like, oh, you're writing some of the best songs ever. And then you're just giving up because it's it can be brutal and disheartening. And yeah. Yeah, I totally understand that. And yeah, you. I mean, most people do have to go to an actual city. <laughs> uh, you do. I mean, I don't know how the hell we managed <laughs> to not have to do that. We. I mean. Yeah, we were just lucky. We were lucky. I was lucky. I didn't ever wanted to live in New York City. I'm just not a city person, really. Kingston is the biggest city I think I can handle. Um, <laughs> but I totally understand that. It makes so much sense. You have to go where the opportunities are. And Nashville's where they are, right? Uh, yeah, sh- sure. Yeah, I mean, there's it's it's great. It's great. And, you know, everyone, everyone's welcome. Um but yeah, uh, do do you see yourself as like a you know a, a figure, almost like um, do you find that you feel like maybe you're in a place of mentorship for other people because you've been doing it a while, you're very good at it, all that you've paid your dues, you've worked your ass off for a long time, um, found a bunch of success. Do you feel like uh, I don't know what's that word, elder statesman, <laughs> at, <laughs> at the tender age of what are you like, what are you twenty nine? What are you? 29 i'm 37 dog cool looking good 29 i wish yeah um <laughs> thank you i i, I want i i want to like trans transform into that person like a like a mensch type figure <laughs> um i don't know i i don't know yet i don't know i, I you know, actually, with Al, I have been, actually, really, I feel, like, helpful to her mm-hmm. as she's, like, getting her career going. I feel like I do have good advice. Mostly it's about, like, make sure you eat breakfast on tour. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, and get sleep. But I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if anybody's got any questions, hit me up. Hit me up. 
Email me. Yeah, I'm not I mean, on Instagram right now. I, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you're far more encouraging uh, just to the community around than than maybe you're even aware of. I I think it's beautiful. Well, yeah, I definitely don't want to be discouraging or anything <laughs> like that. I, <laughs> I don't want to be that asshole. I, 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 yeah, I, I want to be more a part of the local music scene, honestly. I've always been a little bit, and my brother Ian's like this too, a little bit sort of cloistered off. We've, you know, we just, for whatever reason, I'm much more ac- outgoing than he is, but even I feel sometimes like closed off from that part of the community, which is silly and a waste, and I want to get out there. <laughs> it's not silly in a waste. I mean, you have to have your solitude too. That's all important. Sure. Um, uh, there's this mythology, I, and I wonder how much is true. But, and it's true, even if it isn't true. I heard the story once. Fleece Brothers, uh, you guys get a call from Rick Rubin, <laughs> and he says, "I want to make a record out in California." And what do the Fleece Brothers say? They say, "No, we're going to make it in our we're, we are, we only make records in our chicken coop." <laughs> and and you did you did that you made a record in the chicken coop uh yeah. how, how much of that story is true uh both literally and metaphorically that story is all basically literally true really um, yeah oh that's great yeah that's so yeah, funny we he flew us out to <laughs> this is so stupid in a way but we, <laughs> he flew us out to malibu Sure. And like rented like a theater for uh-huh. us to like play for him in. So we like, we flew to Malibu. This was 2007. I don't know. It was a long ass time ago. He f- they flew us out there and they rented a theater for us to perform in. We were like a brand new band. We had no idea what we were doing. And Rick Rubin was there and like a bunch of other studio people to like watch us play just for them. And then like he, he took us to dinner at this incredibly dope greek spot in la that i don't remember the name of but the food was so good and i ordered so much food because i knew that he was paying for it <laughs> and we ate so much food and then we hung out and he's in his like he had like a sick what the hell kind of car it wasn't like a hummer but it was like a huge suv and he was like he pumped us some jams that he was working out with neil diamond at the time i believe Oof. and we just hung out with the dude like all day and he wanted to make our our record and he was such a awesome person like he was so cool to be around like you could totally tell why why people respond to him the way that they do because mm-hmm. i didn't get it until i met him i was like oh this is this guy's awesome he really gives a shit he knows music he he knows what he, anyway but he wanted us to make it in malibu and he wanted to have like creative control which is a big no-no for us so we said no thank you rick rubin thanks but no thanks <laughs> <laughs> and we made a record instead in a chicken coop yep that's a true story. <laughs> wow. That is yeah. amazing. That is so beautiful. Yeah. It is pretty funny. I, I, I hardly ever think about that. But, yeah, it's it. I, it's funny. I, I guess I just recently told that story, like, in an interview somewhere, maybe, like, a couple years ago. Because I'd never – and now people bring it up, and I was like, holy shit, yeah, that actually did happen. I've, I've been hearing that. I've been hearing that as folklore for years, I think. Cool. Yeah, that's true. True story. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, someone who you know grew up on a farm uh, who had a chicken coop that you know that makes me very happy on a personal <laughs> level. Uh, th- that that's going in the book, you know. Um, yeah, that's a wild yeah. story. Um, wow. So, and what what are some other experiences through through you know Fleece Brothers' career where you sort of uh, I know a lot of cool acts have just fa- fallen in love with the music, taking you guys out on the road. Um, what are some other experiences like that and, you know, maybe with positive or kind of funny, strange outcomes? We Yeah, yeah we've always had, you know, w- one of the first big bands we toured with was Bright Eyes in, mm-hmm. like, 2007. And we had never really done it, you know, anything like that before. And we felt pretty intimidated by the whole thing. You know, they were playing big rooms, thousands of people. Radio City was on the... We played Radio City Music Hall with mm-hmm. them. Um and other venues of that size. Uh, so that was the first time we were ever on a, like a tour with another band, and they were so nice to us, and so kind, and so supportive, and so cool. Every single person on that tour, of you know whatever it was, there's like fifteen or twenty people, maybe, maybe less than that, maybe ten or eleven. Anyway, it was a, it was a plenty of people. Every single person was a joy, 
and we became like they're still some of my best friends in the world to this day. And we've toured with Connor a bunch, and was his, we were his like backup band for a couple of years. We yeah, that with them. You did that Ruminations record, right, or whatever it's called. Yeah, uh, uh, Salutations. The other one. Yep. Yep. Yeah, at Shangri La at Rick Rubin's studio. Although huh. Rick wasn't there. Yeah, of course. They heard you guys were coming. It's like not yeah, these guys. Yeah, he's like fuck those fucking guys. <laughs> they think they're better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. It's not true, Rick. I don't think that. Take <laughs> us back. <laughs> Sorry, dog. <laughs> no, no. It's so important. It's so beautiful. Um, did I? Are, are the Killers fans of you guys? Did I make that up? No, I think that they are, or they were. We went, we toured, we 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 opened for them for a few shows. Uh, Brandon okay. Flowers yep. loved Celebration Florida when it came out. Of course, he did. I think he was he was like the only guy. <laughs> I think they liked that record, and. And then, we, yeah, we opened for them, whenever the hell that was, like 2012. Um, and I think Ian and Brandon are still, like, nominally in touch, although I, I haven't heard anything from him in a while. Anyway, he's, yeah, yeah, the killers, yep. That's wonderful. <laughs> it's a weird combo. No, it makes a ton of sense. It makes, it, for anyone, like, I'm a massive Killers fan, and just, like, yeah, if you, I don't know, it makes a lot of sense. Especially their their last record, Pressure Machine, is, like, I feel like he's almost... Oh, yeah. He's trying in his own way to write a, a Felice Brothers record. Um, How and, dare he? They yeah. are such an awesome band live. Have you seen them live? Yeah, it's insane. It's really beautiful. That was so fun. That was the best part about that whole thing was just watching them every night. They just absolutely crushed it. Flowers is... He's, that dude is awesome. He's really I, good at his job. <laughs> I wonder, in a way, that it feels like that band almost feels like they haven't quite hit their stride yet. Obviously, it's com- it's kind of comical with them. They're mm. whatever stadium rock band. But uh, just like just from like whatever interviews I might have heard or uh, they're, they're like their last. Well, their last two records have been just like, OK, these this is like you're still really trying. And it's so inspiring to. Right. So inspiring to be a fan of a band that is aging gracefully. And their fourth record is amazing. And their 10th record, like they're trying to, uh, you know, hold it up and. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it takes so much energy and and self control, right? To like not just sort of rely on the same old tricks and whatever the things are that you know like get your fans pumped up. It's it's it, yeah. It's I, I I admire that in any band, any any artist really. Um, real quick, uh, related to that, and I want to let you go soon. I don't want to take too much of your time, but uh. Early Fleece Brothers records. Are you playing more like accordion? Uh, what What is your evolution as an instrumentalist look like over all your records? Yeah, over the first couple, it was a lot of accordion. I just for a while we didn't have a piano, and then we did, and then They're it didn't really work. Hard to we come had an by. organ. We yeah, we went through like a lot of instruments of various <laughs> disrepair. Um, Lately, over the last few years, I've really been playing like way more, like just piano. Basically, I don't personally own a piano, unfortunately, but I have a keyboard that sort of is like a piano. Um, so I, I've been playing a lot of that, and I, I've been really connecting to it, and and, and find, that's like what I've been doing all my writing on and stuff. The accordion, I love playing it. I'm just like not that good at it, so it gets frustrating. <laughs> I have to eat that. I have to eat a bunch of shit sandwiches with the accordion, which I oh. really don't feel like doing right now. Um, but I want to get there. I want to get back into. I've actually, I was actually just thinking about that today, this morning. I was like, I haven't played the accordion in like a week. I gotta, I gotta pick it back up. It's just sitting down in my living room, looking all sad. <laughs> um, r- real quick to close, uh, Fleece Brothers fans. I, I like you know, there's some really intense ones out there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how much they bother you. I hope not too much. Uh, I don't know. Describe your relationship with with your audience. I love our fans. I think I have. A, I think I think I'd like to think I have a really good relationship with them. I think <laughs> I. You know, I. At most shows, I'll go out after the show and like sell merch and hang out. And the one thing I've always noticed about our fans is that they are just cool people that you would like love to hang out with, have a beer with, be around. You know, they're not. Some people, and I won't mention names of bands, have kind of like weird fans, some strange birds out there. Yeah, Our fans, people that come to our shows, just seem like salt of the earth, 
normal people with really good taste in music. <laughs> exceptionally <laughs> and good they're taste. they're upstanding, exceptionally good taste in music and generous. And they're always just like hooking us up, you know, bringing us food or like putting, just handing us money sometimes, feeling bad <laughs> for us, which I totally respect <laughs> and understand. <laughs> and buying merch that they already bought 10 times and, and just dealing with all of our bullshit. And yeah, there's people, and, and, and you know, I, We've been a band so long that, like, some of these people are bringing their kids to the shows. Wow. You know? And some people are like, oh, the first show I ever saw when I was in high school was wow. a Felice Brothers show. And this guy is, you know, 35 years old, 32 years old, whatever. And, and, and I, so I see that a lot. People, like, growing up with these people. Yeah. Meeting their kids. Yeah. It's, and, I'm, you know, I met my wife at a Felice Brothers show. And, like, all this shit. Like, that's amazing. That's one of the best parts about the job. Is hanging out with them, especially yeah, I love I love hanging out with them after the show. That's you know, beautiful, man. So sweaty at the show, and they. they I've seen it. Me. I've seen it. It's very, <laughs> it's very inspiring. The first uh, first show I ever saw, you were just you were bringing it hundred and twelve percent, man. Um, it was really exciting, and I noticed there was some just your place on stage and your relationship with the band and the audience it was really it was really fun to watch. It was really really fun huh. to watch. Um, yeah, man, you guys are like a young and legendary band, and I, I, I think it's a really, really funny and beautiful balance, and it's exciting, man. It's, it's fun to be a fan of the songs, and I think it's a great time to be a Fleece Brothers fan, and um, and I can't wait to hear your record. I'm really pumped for that. Um, Thank you. Love it. Love everything Al's doing as well. Send her my warmest. Um, I will. Yeah. Thanks so much for taking the time, man. It's really, it's an honor, wow. and uh, just cheering you on always. Really, really uh, excited Thank you about so what much. you're doing. Yeah, man! And congratulations on what is this? Uh, how many episodes? This is, oh, we're we're doing this is like you're the hundredth episode. <laughs> this is the hundred episodes. Holy smokes! That's, That's incredible. Thanks, I'm man. so honored to be your hundredth guest. Thanks, man. No, the honor's Thank all you. mine. I, I appreciate it. And um, yeah, can't wait for you guys to play Nashville sometime. Come through. You always have a place to stay here. Uh, if you need, Beautiful. thank you so much. <laughs> Appreciate course. that. I do need. Can't even afford to stay in a hotel in Nashville anymore. All right, all right. Um, <laughs> cheers, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lomo. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh-huh.